I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture quickly at the outset. Um, I know oftentimes we'll read some and we'll just read on the way through, but I want to read quite a bit right at the outset because we'll reference it later, but I, I don't want to go back and read it all again, but you'll know where I've drawn from, okay? The book of Luke chapter number eight is where I'd like to start. Please stay with me. We will read some things that are very familiar to you if you've read the scriptures at all. The Lord would like to talk to us tonight on this topic, the field of harvest, the field of harvest. Luke chapter 8, starting with verse number 5, Jesus is speaking a parable. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. Please hear the words, hear every word that Jesus says here. Every word is significant. It was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns. You catch that? It lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, this is Jesus, when he had said these things, he cried. When he had said these things, he cried. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Would you pray with me right now that we would have ears to hear? Bring our ears to hear. The Spirit says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So clearly he's talking about a mystery of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. 
And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Turn with me quickly to Matthew 13. Here we see Matthew's writing of this parable. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read Jesus relating the meaning of the parable, starting in verse number 19 of Matthew 13. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And turn over with me to Mark chapter 4, one other place of reading of the Lord telling the meaning of the parable. Mark chapter number 4, starting with verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. Everybody say the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, 
and some and hundred. There is a field of harvest. We live in a field of harvest. This parable that I've read to you in three gospels here, we know clearly by the sharing of the Lord Jesus, he tells us what the seed is. What is the seed? The word. It's not man's opinion. It's not denomination. It's not ideology of men. The seed is the word of God. You cannot sow seed if you do not know the word. He tells us the seed is the word. He tells us about the different type of ground. He tells us what each type of ground is. But there's one thing he doesn't tell us. He simply assumes we will understand. He never tells us who the sower is. He expected that the disciples, hearing the word of God, would quickly and readily see, you're the sower. I'm telling you about seed. I'm telling you about soil. You're the sower. They had to see themselves in the parable. And it's so easy if I'm not careful to hear the parable again and again. And I think about the ground and I think about the seed. But I must recognize the one common denominator besides the seed and the ground, is the sower. And without the sower, the ground doesn't matter. Without the sower, the seed doesn't matter. There must be a sower of seed. And you and I are called in this hour as the sower. We are in this parable, every one of us by name. You could take the word sower out and you could put in Joel. You could put in Abel. You could put in Aurora. You could fill in your name Aurora went out to sow seed. Sandra went out to sow seed. Stephanie, Azario, fill in your name, went out to sow seed. We are the sower. I'm telling you, there is a beckoning of the Spirit of God that says, I'm looking for people to sow the seed. It's time to sow the seed. We are to be encouraged by the parable, not discouraged. We recognize and understand. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's how we know we are the sower. 1 Corinthians 3. We've been in 1 Corinthians a while here recently. Verse 6. Paul is speaking and he makes this statement. He says, I have planted. That sounds like sowing to me. I have planted. Apollos watered remember the seed that lacked moisture apollos watered so that tells me we have a watering responsibility too apollos watered but god gave the increase we are not responsible for the product of the seed we're responsible for sowing and watering next verse so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth the sower and he that watereth are one. 
John chapter number 4. I told you we're going to read a little scripture here at first. Trusting the word of God to be reaching into your heart the way it's been reaching and working in mine. John chapter number 4, starting with verse number 30. Let's try 33. This is Jesus by the well. Remember? Woman at the well, they went to get meat. They come back. Therefore said the disciples one to another. See, Jesus has been at the well sowing seed. He's been sowing seed. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said to them, My meat, that which feeds me, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit to life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men have labored and you are entered into their labors. We have entered into the labor of other sowers. We should still sow, but we should also expect to reap. This is the plan of God. This is the design of God. I don't have time to walk through stories of sowing through the years. We can go back in recorded history and see as early as the first 25 years of 1900, 25 to 30 years of 1900. So you can go back almost 100 years ago and you can read record of Benjamin Urshan walking in Yakima and preaching and the power of God coming and them having healing services every Friday night as he taught the oneness apostolic message, and people were transformed. You can read of a hundred years ago of them, him and the pastor that was here at the time, going to Tyaton and beginning to preach the gospel and people's hearts being turned a hundred years ago. You've heard Bishop tell the story of being in services with Brother Leslie for 15 years. Brother Joel here can attest. Brother Leslie sowed seed for many years in these valleys I'm telling you, we're entered into other men's labors, but the field is still ready to be sown. There's seed to be sown. There's a harvest to be reaped. There's a field of harvest. So I read all of that scripture. I want to talk for the next few minutes, and we'll draw from that, those scriptures we read. I want to talk to us. I believe the Lord wants to talk to us about working the field. Working the field. 
We know that there are different types of soil. The scripture is very clear about that. We know the first seed is falls on soil by the wayside. We know the wayside are those that hear the word, and one of the gospels said they don't understand. They don't understand, and so because they don't understand, the devil comes and takes the word out of their heart. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't want them to believe and be saved. That's what Jesus told us. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 4 tells us, I believe this is Paul talking to us about the wayside ground. He said, seeing we have this ministry, what ministry? I'm going to tell you, we have a ministry of sowing. Every single one of us, you say, man, I... I don't know what my ministry is. I'm I'm here to tell you tonight what your ministry is. Every single one of us can have a ministry of sowing and a ministry of watering. Every single one of us. There's not a single individual in this room that's excluded from sowing and watering. This is the design and the desire of God. Now, some of you believe that. Some of you are going, my ministry is different. You may have other callings in ministry, but every one of us are called to be a sower of the seed. And every one of us are called to water the seed. Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Keep going. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor, notice what he says right here, nor handling the word of God. What's the word of God? That's the seed. It's the seed nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience. How do you do that? Because you're sowing seed. You're not handling the word of God deceitfully. You're handling it in truth. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And so you begin to speak the truth in love when you sow seed. And in doing so, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But what happens, I'll tell you what happens, there is wayside ground. There is ground where the seed goes, and this can be discouraging if we don't know the Word of God. But we have to know the Word of God. Watch the next verse, verse number 3. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Why are they lost? Verse 4. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's the wayside ground. Is this making sense? The seed is going there. And how come they, you're going, man, how come they can't see this? I mean, this is plant. I mean, I drew a chart. I told them 23 times. I showed them 50 verses. I walked them from Genesis to Revelation and through the concordance. I even showed them some maps. And they're just not getting this. I don't understand. Look, we got to step back. We need to be wise sowing seed. We need to learn how to work the field. We got to recognize, hold on a minute. This is wayside ground. This is wayside ground. That doesn't mean we just go, oh, well, forget them. No, no, no. we got to work the field. So I recognize that's wayside ground. That's someone that's blinded by the God of this world. So what do I do? I'll tell you what I do. I go to a closet of prayer. You go to a closet of prayer. And you go, God, somehow I come against spiritual blindness by the authority of the Word of God given me 
by the way you called the apostle Paul. I'll walk in said calling and I'll pray to turn them from blindness and darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. Let spiritual blindness be removed from their mind. Let spiritual blindness be removed from their heart. Let spiritual deafness be removed from their ears. And what do you do? You pray the prayer of faith and then you go back and sow seed again. we got to work the ground. But we got to recognize and identify what we're dealing with. So that we don't just wear ourselves out and get frustrated and go it doesn't work. You know what we want to do? We want to sow seed but we don't want to go back and pray. I pray. What is prayer? Prayer is tilling the ground. Prayer is working the ground. Prayer is watering the ground. Prayer is breaking up fallow ground. Prayer is doing those things. So we give ourselves to prayer for the soil. What is the soil? The soil is the heart of men. We don't just go, well, I tried, but they weren't interested. We've got to pray. Pray for the ground. We must pray. What do we pray? We pray the opening of their eyes. We pray the spirit of revelation. We pray the spirit of understanding. We pray the adversary's efforts be cast down so that the seed can get into their heart. We begin to pray these things knowing that God hears and He's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. But we have to work the ground. For the sower, one plants, one waters. Dare I say one plows. We got to plow. That's the working of the ground. That's spiritual warfare. That's intercessory prayer. That's plowing the ground. That's plowing the ground. We've got to recognize our calling as the church of the living God. Is it any wonder Jesus cried, He that had ears to hear, let him hear. I'm talking about the field of harvest. I'm talking about souls. I'm talking about lives being spared from eternal destruction. I'm talking about the salvation of mankind. And it's dependent on sowers. He that hath an ear, let him hear. The second type of ground we'll sow on is stony ground or the rocky ground and The Bible tells us clearly this stony ground, this rocky ground. Now, it's interesting. I'll I'll make note now and I may say it again. But notice something that Jesus said in every one of those. Every ground hears the word. How is it that every ground heard? I'll tell you how. Somebody sowed. Well, I don't know if they'll listen to me. They'll listen. What we're really saying is, I don't know if they'll receive it or what they'll do with it. That's not what we're called to measure. Called to sow the seed. And then we determine from what happens with the seed, how we pray for the ground, what we do with the ground. They hear the word. Not only do they hear the word, this rocky, stony ground, they hear it and they receive it. Isn't that wonderful? They receive the word with joy. Isn't that beautiful? 
This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. My goodness, when I heard the teaching and Bible study, when I was at church on Sunday, when I was in the home group and heard the word, wow, this is so wonderful. Wow. And, they, and you're like, man, alive. God's doing something in their life. And he is. And they hear it and they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They have no root. And they believe it for a while. But what happens? I'll tell you what happens because there's no root. In a time of temptation, they fall away. We're going, man, I don't know why they keep struggling. This is why. It's the type of ground it is. We don't kick them to the curb. We don't chastise them. We don't judge them. We, we judge the ground according to the word of God. I don't mean judge like, you understand what I mean? We, we recognize the ground. And we go, okay, this is what I'm dealing with here. I'm dealing with stony ground. So now I know how to pray. Because what do they do? They fall away when temptation comes or tribulation or persecution comes. It arises. And notice, here's how and why it arises. It arises because of the word. The very seed that came that brought joy. Now the word says, okay, now I'm going to start dealing with some issues in your life. Now I'm going to start dealing with some areas in your life that I'm trying to bring you into greater, deeper relationship with me. Now I'm going to use the word to start bringing some instruction, correction, reproof for righteousness, right? This is what the Bible says it's good for. And so the word starts coming and then they go, hold on. I liked it when it felt really good. This doesn't feel, this is going a little deeper than I planned. And they get offended by the word. I was praying about a situation. I've been praying for different individuals, and I'm sure you too. And I was getting frustrated. I'm like, God, I've, there's people I've done Bible studies with, and they've seen the word. I know that. And the word of, and you have too. And I've, I've spent weeks with, and I've spent hours with, I've spent months with, and I've, I'm like, God, Need answers? What am I doing wrong? What am I? What do I need? What should I pray different? What? And Lord started doing. You're dealing with rocky ground. You're dealing with rocky ground. They received the word. What happened? I'm going. What happened? This is what happened. It was rocky soil, and then the word of God came. So I'm like, What am I? What's going on here? Second Timothy four. He showed me what's happening. Paul begins to tell us about these things of ground. Watch, this is the stony ground. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living or the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Verse 2. Preach the word. That doesn't mean get a microphone, get in front of everybody. That means sow seed. That's, literal, that's what he means. Timothy, go sow seed. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. That means you don't, well, it's not a good, no, you just sow seed. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Watch. With, this is how you do it. With all long suffering. That's the hard part. Long suffering. And doctrine. Not warm and fuzzy. Long suffering and doctrine. Sow the seed. Now watch, verse 3. For the time will come when they, who's they? They that heard the preached word. They is the ground where the word went. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is stony ground. 
This is stony ground. They heard the word. The word came. They felt joy. They were excited. But then he began to teach the oneness of God. You begin to teach the essentiality of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You begin to teach the essentiality of the apostles' doctrine. You begin to teach the essentiality of holiness and separation from this world. Whoa, hold on a minute. They're offended by the word. Why? Because the time will come they'll not endure sound doctrine. Now, we teach those things in love. We speak the truth in love. But what is it that keeps them from having joy? Why do they get offended by the word? Now, I understand some people got offended by the word because somebody didn't use wisdom and love and smacked them upside the head with it. That's not what a sower does. The sower speaks the truth in love. But what happens is the word of God comes. Sound doctrine comes. And they're offended by the word. And they'll not endure sound doctrine. So when persecution arises because of the word or tribulation because of the word, they fall away. We need to know what we're dealing with so we know how to pray. So what do we do? Well, Lord... They didn't receive it. I don't know. Oh, well. No, 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 no. We pray. We go back to the closet of prayer. And we pray, God, they received your word. They heard your word. They received it. Now, Lord, I'm praying. I pray that the spirit of revelation and understanding would come to them. I pray conviction of their heart. By the word of God, I pray the love of God reach in and grip their soul that they not just cast off that which they've heard. And I go to a closet of prayer and I intercede and I pray. It, you know, the apostle Peter said on the day of Pentecost, we like quoting Acts chapter 2, but we find in Acts 2, 41 or 42, he says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We must continue in the apostles' doctrine. There will be those, I'm going to tell you what I've witnessed in my short lifetime of 52 and a half years. There are those who would preach the word of God and it would fall upon rocky soil and joy would come and, be, and, and a building or a room or a house would be full and then they would begin to continue to teach the word and give instruction and doctrine and sound wisdom and, the, and people would get offended by some of the things that were taught and would fall away or temptation would come and they, I don't know that I have to follow the word so closely. I don't know that the word is really wanting me and, and they would fall away. And what I've witnessed in my lifetime is I've witnessed good men, well-meaning men and women of God who said, you know what, maybe what I need to do is water down the message. Maybe what I need to do is compromise the message and then we'll be able to reach more people. Somebody hear me. That is never the answer. This is why the Apostle Peter said, continue steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine. This will be offensive to some. The purpose is not to offend. It's to sow seed. And we know that some will receive and some will not. And so when they do not, 
I don't cast them aside. I go to a closet of prayer and I pray for the seed that was sown. I pray the turning of their heart again. I pray the word that will not return void will somehow in God's great grace accomplish what He sent it to do. I pray that in a moment of despair they'll cry out and that seed will come alive again and they'll return to what they heard and respond to the living Word of God. But we must pray. We must pray. We must pray. We must pray. We must pray for revelation. Hear me. We believe in the formula. I believe in what we call the formula. The resurrection, the death, burial, and the resurrection, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the formula, but I'm afraid if we're not careful, we just teach a formula. We cannot fall into that trap. We've fallen into that trap because a formula maybe gets results. I can show them a formula and then they'll be baptized. But they don't believe he's the I am any more than. He said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. It's not enough to preach or teach a formula. We must teach and preach with revelatory utterance. There must be an utterance given of God like came through Jesus Christ at Caesarea Philippi when he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. He had revelation in that moment. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to me. You didn't get this because I just pounded it in your head. No, no, no. That wasn't the case at all. You got this because my father in heaven revealed it to you. Revelation came. And so if I'm not careful, I'll go, well, man, I did the formula. I don't understand. I'll tell you what happened. I didn't spend time in a closet of prayer praying through until I got to a place where revelatory ministry flowed out of my spirit. Revelation flowed out, not of my doing, but the indwelling spirit of God. You realize when you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost, the living word of God is within us. And so when we begin to speak, the living word can issue out. And the living word can bring revelation. And so when we find that there is this stony ground, we must pray for revelation. It's not enough to become formulaic alone. Revelation is required. We must pray a spirit of revelation. What am I doing? Praying for the ground. Why? Because I'm a sower. I'm a sower. I have good seed. The field is open. The field is in front of me. Every single this is not the field. Every single day I'm in the field. And I gotta be sowing. I've got to be sowing. Gotta be sowing. Who do we sow to? You understand, we don't go, ah, let me measure this ground and decide if I want to sow. No. The sower's seed fell on all types of ground. He just sowed. Jesus didn't tell us what the ground was, so we'd stop sowing on certain ground. He just wanted us to understand what we're dealing with in the field of harvest. So that we wouldn't be discouraged in our sowing. 
Can rocky ground grow anything? Yeah. Can rocks be removed from the ground? Absolutely. Some of you have heard me tell the story of my grandfather's two-acre garden. He had these round chicken wire posts in the corners of this two-acre garden, and they were full of rocks. He dug them out of the soil. And every time I'd go over there with him, he'd have me take rocks and go pile them in a pile. I thought, man, he's growing rocks. What was the deal? They were there, but he knew I can work the ground. And if I work the ground, if I work the ground, it'll produce fruit. If I work the ground, I'm not discarding this ground just because it's stony. It's going to be more work than if it was just good ground. But I'm willing to work. Where do you and I work? We work in the closet of prayer. We work in a place of intercession. We work in a place of spiritual warfare. We must shake ourselves to recognize we have authority by the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to impact the soil and thereby impact the harvest. Stony ground. Some fell among thorns. That which fell among thorns, they hear. Again, there you are, they hear. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of this life, the lust of other things entering in, or the desire for other things that aren't of the kingdom of God entering in. What do they do? They choke the word. They choke the word. And the writer said, they become unfruitful. Or one of the other gospels said, they bring forth no fruit to perfection. This soil, this soil is in the church. How do I know that? Because the writer said they become unfruitful. They were fruitful. That's what the word implies. They were fruitful. The Word of God took root. They believed the Word of God. The Word of God began to work in the life. And fruit began to be produced from the Word of God in their life. Otherwise, Jesus would not have said they become unfruitful. And here's the deception of that ground. The one gospel recorded it this way. He said, they bring forth no fruit to perfection or to fullness or completion. He didn't say they don't bring forth fruit. They just don't bring forth fruit to completion. When I was a kid, we lived in North Carolina at one point in my life. And uh, I think the address was 2612 Pine Springs Road. Fayetteville, North Carolina. We had a, I jumped off that house with one of my dad's little parachutes. It didn't work. 
Sorry, that doesn't have anything to do with this. Just came into my mind. I'm still standing. We had a tree out in the front yard. I was young. I was probably eight or nine, maybe seven. Probably eight. We had a tree out in the front yard. It was a persimmon tree. I don't think we have any persimmon trees here. And uh, my dad said persimmons are so good. Sweet, juicy, really, really good. So I saw that. I thought, I'm going to try one. And I went to that tree one day, and I pulled the persimmon off that tree. And I bit into that persimmon. It was like an apple. I thought, it, you know, it was like an apple, sort of crunchy. And well, I didn't know persimmons weren't supposed to be crunchy like apples. I'd never seen them before. Well, I bit into that persimmon, and, man, it turned my face inside out pretty much. If you've ever bit into a, a persimmon that wasn't ripe, you know what I'm talking about. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, it draws your mouth up. It's so sour and so, it just like, it literally, like, my mouth drew up. Like, I was like, oh, no, is it going to freeze this way? I thought, he lied to me. Well, no, he didn't lie to me. It just, the fruit wasn't brought forth to completion. It wasn't ripe yet. Had fruit on the tree, but it wasn't brought forth to its fullness. And so it was not good to eat. Matter of fact, the effect was contrary. It made me never want to eat it again. And it took me a while before I was willing to trust and eat a persimmon and believe that it could taste good. Why? Because I had ate a fruit that wasn't brought to completion. Jesus said, this ground with thorns. See, this is to me the most deceptive type of ground because it's in the church. As I go, I have fruit. He didn't say the thorny ground didn't produce fruit. It just doesn't bring forth fruit to fullness. There's a disease here called small cherry disease. Anybody heard of that? It's a disease that gets in a tree and the cherries won't grow to fullness. They have to just cut out the whole tree or else it'll affect all the other trees. Like what thorns do to the word of God. What are thorns? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of this life, the lust of other things entering in. They choke out the word. And someone says, man, I just don't know why I'm not growing in the Lord. If I'm in the church, if I've been filled with his spirit, washed in his blood, it's almost always almost always thorns. Those things have crept in. They got a root. They're growing. We have behind our house, we have this tree. It's in our neighbor's yard, but it's grown up over our fence. It's a lavender. Is it lavender? Lilac, lavender. 
Lilac. Which ones grow on the ground? Down on the down on the ground. Lavender. That's lavender that grows down on the ground like a little bush. The tree grows. What is the tree? Lilac. Okay, that's it's that one. I know they're both purple. So my wife and all you ladies are the plant people. So it's a lilac bush that's grown up over our tree. And man, it gets these big old long flowered out things. And my wife would cut them off and put them in vases in the house when it would bloom. The neighbor was fine with that. And so it's on our side of the fence. No. And so, um, but we're, we're fighting these vines that are also on the neighbor's side of the fence. We love our neighbor. And uh, we work together to, anyway, there's these vines that are growing and I've noticed they've gone up in that lilac bush and we've, I've reached through with my clippers and cut them off and pulled them out and pulled them out. But man, this last year, they, they got in it more than I could get them all out. Well, this year we, we got lilac, but my wife didn't cut any off and put them in the house. I'm like, why? Well, like in years past, it would be like this big, bright purple. This year, they were all only about this big. And they were sort of a dull pastel. And they died really quick. They didn't last very long. That vine had so interwoven with that lilac bush. Oh, it still produced flowers. But the color was gone. The fullness of the growth of the flower was gone. I don't even remember smelling them as much as we usually did when that bush would first bloom out fully. Everything about it was reduced because of that vine weaving through. What was it doing? It was stealing life from that bush. And this is what Jesus described in the ground that has thorns. When he said it chokes out the word. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like you'll come on a Sunday or a Thursday and the word of God will come right to where you are. God in his infinite love and wisdom will bring a word to you or you'll be in a conversation with a brother or sister and the word of God speaks so clearly to you and you're like, that's the word. And, and it encourages you and excites you. And man, you're just like, thank you, Jesus. And the word is so, but then you go to Monday the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things entering in. It chokes out the word. And the word that was going to give life and produce fruit is choked out by thorny ground. So what do we do? We pray. We pray. I find Paul, interestingly, describing this ground too. 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's what Paul said, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10. He said, for Demas, who was Demas? Demas was a brother. He was in the church. Demas, Paul said, hath forsaken me. Why did he forsake him? He disagreed with his doctrine? No. Disagreed with Paul's? No. This is why Demas forsook Paul. He loved this present world. Thorns. 
the thorns of life came in. His love for the present world said, Paul, I can't go where you're going. Paul, you're going some places I just can't go. And Paul identified the reason that Demas forsook him. It doesn't say that Demas went away from the truth or the word of God. He just forsook the depths that Paul was going to. And the reason Paul said he forsook him was because he loved this present world. That's thorns. That's the thorns that Jesus spoke about. And what we have to... John said in 1 John chapter 2, he was addressing, I believe, this issue of thorns. It's broader than that, but we need to recognize it. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, the apostle said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Keep going. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Next verse. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth, how long? Forever. So what do we do? When there's thorny ground, we pray. We must be a people of prayer. When we get a revelation and an understanding of our responsibility as a sower, I don't mean our, there's, there's no pressure to sow. There's not pressure to sow. And when you do sow, there's not pressure to produce. One plants, one waters. God gives you. I can go out and I can put seeds in the ground to grow corn. I never did that and felt pressure like, man, I got to get down under that soil and see if I can do something with that seed down in there. Maybe I can dig deep on the side and get a side view underground, figure out what I can do to get that seed to produce. I don't feel any pressure that way. I just put it in the ground and trust corn's going to come up. Now, I learned some things about planting corn one year. There was nothing wrong with the seed. There might have been something wrong with the way I sowed it. There was definitely something wrong with the ground. But the seed was fine. It was good seed. The word is good seed. We just got to get it in the ground. We got to know what kind of ground we're dealing with. And we don't pick and choose and discard ground. We go back to a place of prayer and pray for the soil. We pray for the stones to be removed. We pray for the thorns to be. And, and hear me. For the life that has stones and thorns, it's not comfortable ripping those things out. But we have somebody that maybe we've sown seed and then they start going through all kinds of stuff and we're like, oh, let me help them. Let me help them. Let me fix this. Don't fix it. They got to go through it. What's happening? The Lord is taking them through stuff that's plowing up the ground. You think that's comfortable? No, it's not comfortable. But it's the love of God saying, I'm going to turn this soil. I was talking to a man some years ago. I uh, Not here. In another city. I was visiting briefly. I wasn't preaching or speaking. I was just there. I, I was getting away for a couple of days. Me, the word, the Lord. But uh, 
This guy knew I was in town and said, hey, would you mind if we just come by and visit with you for a little bit? I'm like, oh, no, that's fine. Come on by. So these two men came by and uh, they're sitting there. We're sitting there in this little living room in the small place where I'm staying. And he asked a question. And those of you that know me, you know, it happens sometimes when you ask a question. And he asked a question. When he asked a question, it opened this door of ministry and there began to be this outflow. And I began to talk to him about uh, the scripture that speaks of a sycamine tree that says if they'll, if you'll speak, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can, Jesus said, you can speak to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the seed. And if you read that scripture in context, he was talking about a spirit of offense. He's talking about how offense. And if you study a sycamine tree, a sycamine tree grows where it's really dry. And so what a sycamine tree does is it sends roots everywhere looking for water, looking for water, a lack of moisture. And so it sends roots everywhere. And, it, and then when it finds water, it goes down. And so a sycamine tree is very hard to uproot because its roots go out and go down. Like me trying to pluck up a dandelion. I think I got it. And then it grows right back two weeks later. Only a lot worse. And so the sycamine tree, and Jesus was talking about a spirit of offense. That's what an offense does, by the way. An offense grows and it looks for somewhere to feed it. It goes out till it finds somewhere to feed it and it puts down a root there. And then it's reaching somewhere else. Let me find somebody else to agree with me, even though I know I got a bad attitude and let it put down a root there. Let me find somebody else. We'll find a problem with them the way I got a problem with them. And then it'll put down a root there. And it, this is what offense does. But Jesus said, you can speak to the sick. And so this is what I was relating to this man, this flow. I, I didn't think he had an offense, and I don't think he did. But we were dealing with something that was broader than that, that reached back through generations. I could tell the Lord just opened it up as we were sitting there talking. And like revelation is flowing, there's a prophetic utterance and talking about it. He's realizing it. God is doing it. So we began to pray, and they began to, he started sending me mag or newspaper articles that were written years ago that as I'm reading it, it's relaying stuff that I had spoken to him about that was in his grandfather. I didn't know there was, but he's, I'm reading articles about his grandfather and, and battles he had with government entities and stuff. And it's like exactly stuff we were addressing as far as where offense had root. And he's like, it goes further and deeper than I thought. Why did I tell you all that? Because I met with this man just a few months ago. He had asked me to. He is broken. He's gone through the hardest two years of his life. Loves God, lives for God, pours himself out, gives himself to prayer. Just a, a, a precious saint in a church. Elsewhere, not part of Life Church. And he has gone through it in ways you couldn't imagine. And he said, he was, he said, it all goes back to that day in that house when you said that stuff to me and it started something. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, no, it had to happen. It's reaching further than we ever imagined. We underestimated how far it reached into and through our family and into the community where we are because him and his family are multiple generations and they're very embedded in this community. He said this to me as he wept because of where he was and all he's dealing with. He said, I look where God has uprooted that tree. And he said, the ground is destroyed because of the roots going so far, so many places. And he couldn't rip it up without destroying the ground. And the ground is broken and fractured. He said, but when I look now, it's ready for seed. It's all broken up. And it's perfect for seed. 
Sometimes the trouble is simply plowing the ground. It gets out some stones. It gets a way to root out the thorns. It's getting the ground for seed. That's why you don't always rescue somebody from the plowing process. We got to know what we're dealing with. Soil is the, is the ground. You're the sower. I'm the sower. We pray. We don't pray now I lay me down to sleep. We need to find a place where we get into a place of prayer. To where the fire of the altar burns within us. I am convicted and drawn by God to a place of prayer. Prayer is the watering. Prayer is the watering. Prayer is the plowing. You got to sow seed, but you would not sow seed if you didn't plow and water also. Prayer is the plowing. Prayer is the watering. Prayer is the plowing. Prayer is the watering. Why don't I have time to pray? I'll tell you why. Thorns, cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in. We must repent of those things. We must repent of those things. And give ourselves to prayer like never before. Talking about the field of harvest. Some will come and some will go because of what we've shared tonight about the soil. When they go, I don't go, oh, well, they went, oh, well. No, no, what I, I go back to a closet of prayer and I pray again. I pray again. I pray again. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul, the spirit, the joints, and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So I pray that the word will have its work. So we're not discouraged when we sow. We understand the ground and we pray in faith, having all confidence in the seed that we're sowing. Oh, and by the way, there is good ground. There is good ground. I dare say good ground might have been stony ground at one time. In my grandfather's garden, that was the case. I dare say good ground might have been thorny ground at one time. For mine in your life, that might have been the case. But there's good ground. And here's the thing. The seed that's sown on good ground, they hear. They understand. And in an honest and good heart, Jesus said. See, it's the he's talking about the condition of the soil. In an honest and in a good heart... What do they do? They keep the word. They don't just hear and understand. This is the difference between good ground and the other ground. They hear it, they understand it, and they keep it. 
What does it mean to keep it? They live in it. They walk in it. They apply it in their daily lives. Doesn't mean they keep it in their memory. They keep it by living it, walking in it, application through their daily. And what happens? They bring forth fruit with patience. They understand the fruit's not going to come tomorrow just because they kept the word today. But with patience, they keep the word. Why? Because they love the word more than anything else. And so they keep the word with patience. And then what happens? Their life begins to bring forth fruit. Some of them 30-fold. Some of them 60-fold. Some of them 100-fold. And we look and we go, man, I see their life. How come my life isn't like that? Well, here's the answer. It's right here. I just got to look at the soil. I've got to get to a place of prayer and let God work on the soil of my heart. Or I've got to pray for that soul that God would work on the soil of their heart. Because every soil can be worked. I had to dig holes for my deck. I built a small deck when my friend was here last week because he knows how to do that stuff and I don't. And so he helped me and I did all the work and he told me what to do. And so, uh, not because he was unkind. He, he did some work, but his he just got different uh, physical ailments that limit. And so I was glad to do it and I learned while I was doing so. But I dug the post holes for where we put the uh, the four by fours in the ground. Thankfully, there were only three of those that we needed to support the outside of the deck. And uh, he said, uh, you don't have a rock bar. You got post hole diggers, but you don't have a rock bar. You're going to need a rock bar. Uh, that's a long, hard steel bar that you, if you hit a rock, you can bust the rock up so you can keep digging the hole out for those of you that are going, what's that? Um, I said, no, 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 we won't need one. He goes, you don't think so? I'm like, no, 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 no. So we start digging. I start digging. I'm digging with these. I dig out all three holes. 24 inches deep, just over 24 inches deep, 30 inches deep because we got to get below the frost line. And so we dig these three holes out. There ain't a rock in any of the dirt in all three holes I dug out, not a single rock. He sees me dig. He's like, man, that's really good ground. I said, it really is, isn't it? It really is. There are no rocks there. I saved all that dirt. I mean, I put the poles in, poured concrete in, so it wasn't like I had to put it back in the hole. I got five-gallon buckets full of that dirt now. I thought, I'm going to plant something in that dirt. And a little mulch. I'm going to put some seed in there and see what grows. So I had to be careful for my wife gets home. She'll try to steal my dirt. <laughs> and thank God she's coming home Saturday. Good ground. Good ground. Good ground. There's good ground in these valleys. There's stony ground in these valleys. There's thorny ground in these valleys. I'm not picking and choosing ground. I'm sowing seed. And I'm going to go to a closet of prayer to affect the soil. What does prayer do? Hear me. Here's what we have to pray for both the stony ground and the thorny ground that has been lacking. We have to pray the convicting word and spirit of God. We have to pray the convicting. The word of God has got to come and pierce and cut. I don't mean hurt. You understand but it must come in and pierce and cut to the dividing 
asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joint. What good is the word of God if it only makes me feel good but doesn't address my sin that separates me from him? The word of God has to come where I am in love, but it comes. It doesn't destroy me. It comes and it cuts through all of the facade. It cuts through all of the other stuff and comes right to where I live. You know, that's what happened when John the Baptist told uh, that lady, told Herod, you shouldn't take her to be your wife. That's not right. The word of God convicted her. Her conviction turned into an offense. She wanted to take John's life. The word of God should convict the spirit. And so I am praying, God, let a spirit of conviction come on these valleys. Let the word of God come alive to those that have heard it or those that will yet hear it and let them feel the deep conviction of God in their heart. Let it cause them to fall on their face and cry out to you. Let the convicting spirit and word of God arrest their heart and their thoughts. Let the fear of God return to a soul. Let the fear of God come back into a life. Let the fear of God keep them awake at night. Let the fear of God awake them early in the morning. You're saying, man, you're playing torment. No, I'm not. I'm not praying torment on someone. I'm praying that the convicting word of God would arrest their heart so that they would return to him, that they would be saved. It's conviction that makes them aware of the thorns. It's conviction that makes us aware of the stony ground. If the word of God doesn't convict me, I'll go on through life going, yeah, but I've got fruit and denying the fact that it's not fruit to completion or denying the fact that the word of God keeps getting choked out in my life. But if the word of God shines in love on my situation, it begins to convict my heart. And when conviction comes to me, I go to a place of repentance and I begin to change those things which I continued to give room to. And thereby I destroy and uproot the thorns. And the word of God grows. You know, it was a convicting word in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. They, Peter preached the word. And the Bible says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. What is that? That's the convicting word of God. They heard Jesus was the Christ and you crucified him. And they recognized their own sin in that moment. And when they recognized their sin, they were convicted. They were pricked in their hearts. So what do I, we got to pray for that. We got to pray for that in this hour. We have made hell inconvenient rather than eternal and hot and gnashing of teeth where the worm dieth not. The eternal fire that is not quenched. Lake of fire and brimstone, we've turned it into a inconvenience, even a mockery for some. This is why we sow seed. This is why we sow seed. Would you stand with me tonight? Luke chapter 10. I finish with this verse. Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. 
Right, let's go to Luke 9 and 62 first. Luke 9 and 62, it's the last verse of chapter 9, and we'll go from there right into chapter 10. Luke 9 and 62, Jesus said to him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, where's a plow? In the field. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Notice something. He sent them where he planned on going. You see that? Is that what it says? Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You're going to go sow seed, and he's going to come right behind it. He sent them into every city and place whither he himself would come. They were going to sow seed. How do I know that? Verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray, 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 pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. That's into the field. Into the field. Go your ways. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. You can keep reading the chapter we want tonight. You and I are the sower, and we're the soil. And so we have to examine and allow God and his word to examine the soil of our heart. But we also have to commit ourselves to sowing, and we have to commit ourselves to prayer. Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2 after they had prayed for almost at least seven days. They prayed and the place was shaken. They prayed and jail cells opened. They prayed and the sick were healed. They pray Oh, they prayed for themselves too. They didn't pray, oh God, please deliver us because Rome is so against us. Oh God, please help us. This government is terrible. It was. Maybe they prayed that. It's just not. The Lord chose for it not to be recorded in his word. But here's what he did choose to be recorded in his word that they prayed. Lord, give us boldness that we may speak. Speak what? Seed. Give us boldness so that we can sow seed. I realize I'm teaching to the proverbial choir tonight. Every one of you, I would dare say, or almost every one of you are seed sowers. But I'm telling you, the field is right. And we must couple our sowing with prayer like never before. And I know that God 
is going to and ready to work with us in the field. I spent two hours with a pastor this morning of another congregation. I don't know what all they believe. I know he's filled with the Holy Ghost. I know he talked about the apostles' doctrine. I know he talked about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, this pastor told me as we were talking for two hours, he said, man, you know what God's been dealing with me about the last, like I had a dream and it was a simple dream, but God just keeps dealing with me about this. I said, what's that? He said, unity. I just can't get away from unity. God's dealing with me about unity. I just want to reach the field. I just want to reach into the field. And I don't want the thorns to get in the way. I have literally prayed, God, whatever you have to do to uproot or burn or cut out thorns out of my life, I don't want anything to choke the word. I don't want to be deceived by fruit that's not come to fullness. The cares of life, the things of this world entering in. You're a sower. You're a sower. Whatever word of God that you sow, the word is good seed. Don't be discouraged because the ground may not be good ground in the moment. That's the reason Jesus shared the parable with us. But don't write off the ground either. Pray until. Would you talk to the Lord right now in your way? Would you find a place and talk to him, please? whether you turn your seed into an altar or whether you use this altar. We need the arresting of our spirit by the word of God so that we become workers together with him as fully as he would desire. The field is wide already to harvest. One scripture said, say not yet four months and then cometh the harvest. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that co-worker is good ground. That other co-worker may be stony ground, but the seed will work and you'll just have to pray a little more. You'll have to intercede a little longer. You'll have to go into a place of spiritual warfare, but it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. It's worthwhile because we're dealing with eternal things.